I would invite you to turn in your Bible to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We'll look at one verse. Primarily, we've been focused on this verse last week and this week. And But for the context, I want to read starting in verse 13 so we can understand the fullness of this passage. Galatians chapter 5. I'll begin reading in verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. For through love, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one, in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For they are in an opposition to one another, so that you may not do the thing you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not enter the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, bless our time in Your Word. We thank You for this precious book and what a, what a joy it is to our life. What an anchor, what guidance it is. Lord, we thank You for the wisdom that You give us. And I pray, Lord, that just for clarity, for understanding. And then, Lord, may we apply these things to our life. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Paul is writing this letter to the church at Galatian, that Galatia, and there have been people to come into the church that are influencing the church. These are Judaizers from the uh, Judah, Judea, um, from the sect of Judaism, and they they have are, are bringing, trying to get the church to move back to the law instead of serving Christ or, or acknowledging. Christ or being under Christ, they're wanting to serve the law, dependent upon circumcision again, dependent upon the law again for salvation. Essentially, it's a man-made construct, a man-made system of works rather than relying upon the Holy Spirit. And that's the distinction that we see here in this, in this passage. It's essentially relying upon self-effort. Uh, conforming to uh, conforming to these laws 
that God has given as opposed to being transformed in dependence upon God through grace. The, the, the law and conforming to that law, self-effort could never produce salvation. And we need to understand that. It also, it also is a life that is led in the flesh because the Holy Spirit's not there. And so you come to chapter 5 here, and, and what you see is a church that's bickering among one another, and you just see uh, them all living in the flesh, desiring their own way, and Paul's having to deal with that in chapter 5 here. And the result of that bickering is biting and devouring one another. And it's either you're going to depend upon the flesh or depend upon the spirit. And whichever way you decide to go, it's a huge gulf, a huge difference between the two. I mean, it's a, it's difference, a drastic difference. It'd be like living on the land or living in the sea. It's a difference between birds in the air or fish in the sea. It's, it's just a drastic difference. You can't have both. This is the way it is. And this fits in very well with our uh, study on the spiritual uh, spiritual warfare, spiritual battle, because um, this is this is where the battle lies for the believer. I mean, we we fight uh, Satan and his lies on a certain level. We fight the world, the influence of the world on a certain level. And it's very easy to just blame our sins, blame our struggles upon those two things. But the, the reality is, is it comes down to our own sinfulness. Most of the time, 90% of the time, it just comes down to our own sin. And we are sinful. We're like fish in water who who don't know they're wet. I, I liked uh, J.C. Ryle's illustration of animals that that live together, pigs that that live together. They don't know how bad they smell. Do they do they smell bad to each other? No. Why? Because they they live in that smell. And I I'm not comparing you to pigs, but J.C. Ryle is so. But we have to have that kind of understanding. We have to realize that we need an outside source. We need someone objective that can look in and say, here's your condition. Here's your problem. Fish have to have a a scientist to, to step in and say, okay, here's the problem. It's the water that you're, it's the environment that you're in. And, and, Make some changes. And, and so we have to have that outside source. And that outside source is God Himself writ, written, uh, writing this word and infusing it into our culture, our understanding, so that we can know, we can understand what's wrong with us. The greatest problem that we have is our own sinfulness. Our own sin. But, for believers, and, and our study in spiritual warfare, is we we understand now that we are no longer enslaved to sin. In fact, we we can have uh, success over sin. We can have genuine that produces then genuine hope in our life because we have a new nature, and that makes all the difference in the world. We've been made alive 
in Christ. We have been moved from death unto life. The old stony heart has been taken out and a heart of flesh has been put in. We've been regenerated. As Christ would say, we've been born again. We are new creatures. Old things have passed away. All things have become new to us. We have a new identity. We are now in Christ. No longer in our sin, but we are in Christ. A whole new nature. The very core of who we are has been changed. And folks, that's a a drastic difference between the saved and the unsaved. And and the more you see, the more I, I study Scripture, I see this. It's so clear in the Scripture that there's a a drastic difference between the world and the believer. We're no longer fighting against God, but we're fighting with God in this spiritual warfare. In fact, pride has turned and been replaced with humility. The the environment of life and uh, lies and deception that Satan has produced for us, this twisting of reality has been replaced with living in light of the truth, a stark reality of the truth in our own sinfulness. And the the seeking of uh, our own independence from God has been replaced with our dependence upon God and, and a life of faith upon God and living dependently upon Him and His understanding. And these are all signs of new life within us. We have a hunger and thirst for righteousness now. We are enslaved to righteousness. We're no longer rebelling against God and involved in Satan's war against God. We're not rebelling against God, but now we're seated at His table as part of His family. Folks, that's good news. That That's worth rejoicing over right there. But we know, the reality is, is we still sin. We still struggle over our sin. And why is that? And we've been asking that question. Part of uh, spiritual warfare is that struggle with the f- sinfulness, of, uh, with our own sinfulness. And Paul is, is answering some questions for us in this passage. And the first question we looked at last week is, what is the source of this problem? We need to analyze this carefully, slowly, methodically, and we have to see the first thing, the source of the problem. We saw it in verse 17, for the flesh sets its desires against the spirit. That's where the conflict is. The source of the problem is the flesh. It's the flesh. We may be new creatures, we have this new identity, new nature, but we still live in this, in this body of death, Paul says, this, this sinful body. And that's the first step. The first thing we have to come to realize as believers is that, uh, the source is the, the flesh. It's not, it's not the, the, the particles of the material makeup of our body. It, it don't, don't, be confused with that. And it's not the old nature. We, we don't struggle with the old nature because we have a new nature. Our nature has been changed. Now, we can't change our nature. God has to change our nature, but we don't struggle over that old nature anymore. It's just the residual effect of, of sin. We began to, we looked at that last week. Our nature has been changed. Now, that's a, that's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. The nature of a dog is to bark. 
The nature of bird is to, to fly in the air. The nature of the fish is to swim in the water. And when our nature changed, that's a pretty drastic change. Now, there, there might be some tendencies that we have, but we've been crucified with Christ. In fact, Peter says that we have been granted to everything pertaining uh, all the precious and magnificent promises so that we may, um, so that by them we have become partakers of His divine nature. We have God's nature now dwelling in us. And that's a whole different, a whole different world. It's a whole different life. We can be holy as our Heavenly Father is holy. We have a new capacity for holiness. I, I like what J.C. And I like what uh, J. Adams says. He says that the body is habituated toward evil. The body is habituated toward evil. We may live in this body. Our, our nature has been changed, but this body has been habituated toward evil. We have habits of sin. We, we have to... We have to relearn, and that's the problem. It's not a nature problem. It's a relearning of this flesh and rehabituating this flesh. From the time a sinner is born, he will develop sinful responses to life. Patterns of thinking, emotional reactions, words, attitudes, bodily responses, that do not please God. So even though the spirit has been changed, we live in this body of death. And that makes a, a big difference there. Because it's a, not a nature thing. We don't have to change our nature. Our nature, God has changed that for us. We cannot change our nature. Once that nature has been changed, we have some residual effect in, in this body. This body has to catch up to, to the spirit. And, and the, the problem, the source of the problem then is the flesh. Habits, thinking, attitudes. We need to get rid of those old habits. They have no power over us anymore. We need to be habituated to righteousness. Now, Christ said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? <laughs> Weak. It's not an easy thing. And so we need to dig a little bit deeper here and see how to do this. How, to, how does this work? And again, Paul gives us an answer here. The second question I want you to look at is, what is then the nature of the conflict? Okay, the source is the flesh. What's the nature of the conflict? Where do the two come together here? This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where the sparks fly. You, you can have flammable material. We've seen uh, uh, leaves fall to the ground, flammable material all over the place. And and just but we're okay as long as there's not a spark. But when somebody burns the leaves, there's sparks everywhere and and we've seen the re, uh, results of that these wildfires that we've been having in our cabin uh, up at our uh, old country home. We have a, a cabin there and it has kerosene lamps all over the place. But there's no fire because there's no ignition point. And that ignition point is, is what we want to look at here. And the key word, go back to our passage, Galatians 5.17, for the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit. That's the ignition point. That, that's where we need to understand. That's the conflict 
The flesh has conflict when it sets its desires. Desires. That's the key word here. Now, there's a, a wide range of uh, use of this word and and actually multiple words for desires in the New Testament. We'll see some of them. There's a wide range here. Um, and and we're full of all of them. Some are stronger than others. It, it could just be a, a wish. Or it could be all the way to lust and a driving rage even. A, a longing or a yearning, a hunger, a, a craving. It's it's not just being hungry for food, but it's taking action, even a sinful action, to to get that food in a sinful way. And we must understand, or we must know and understand the, the this word. We dare not underestimate this word. This is such a key word. If we are serious about our sinfulness, we have to deal with this idea of desires, cravings, this hunger that man has, that mankind has. Now, to understand this word, I want to see, I want you to see four things. Four things about this word desire here. Number one, desire, this is where the world's system is. This is this is exactly where the world lives, um, in in the fleshly desires, and it's the, the desires in the world are unguarded by the Holy Spirit. There's no conflict there. I mean, it, the, the desires just just go as much as you can. Maybe the law will step in a little bit, but not the Holy Spirit. And the the, the desires are always tied to the body. That's just what we see. And they're for a lifetime. We never shut these things. We, we always will have uh, desires because they're tied to the flesh, the, this body that we have. And it's always connected to discontentment as well. There's a few verses that I want you to look at, Galatia. Romans chapter 13, verse 14 Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. That's our, that's our word. That's our idea. In regard to its, its lust. And he's saying, don't feed that animal. The, the lust is there, but, but, and, and he says, make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Don't, don't feed that lust. Don't feed Galatians, Ephesians chapter 2. Verse three, and this is a this is a passage that you would know because I, I quote this passage so often. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of the flesh, and this is talking about the world, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of the, as the, uh, children of wrath, even as the rest. We were just so saturated with our own desires our own uh, appetites, our own wishes and drives that, that it just consumed us. That's just the world that we lived in. It's part of this world system. And this world system essentially jumps from one, one thing to the other thing to the other thing to the other thing, searching desires because of the discontent of the old nature. It's just, just the way it is. The emotional driven the reactions, passions, following your heart. 
That, that's essentially this whole system is just driven by this kind of passion. Number two, another thing that we need to understand about this, this drive, this desire here, is that this is, like I said, this is where the, the conflict starts. This is where the sparks fly. The, this is where the, the spark meets the flammable material. Okay? This is where the, the match is struck and thrown onto the fire. It's, I want, and I'm gonna do something about it. It's not just the wanting now. I'm wanting to do, I'm gonna do something about it. James gives us a little picture of this in James chapter 4 verse 1 to 3. He says, what is the source of, of, uh, quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your own pleasure? That, that's our idea here. There are, our pleasure. It's a little bit different word. In fact, there's several words that he could use here. He'll use three or four of them in this passage. Is it not your own pleasure that you wage war against, that wage war against your members? You lust, and there's a, another uh, uh, desire. You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You're beginning to see what's going on in the mind there, the drive and the ignition point here. You lust and do not have, you, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain. You fight and quarrel. You see the conflict? You do not have because you do not ask, and you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Again, that's, that's at the core of it. It's all wrapped up in, in self. It's just about me. Wrong motives. So that you may not spend, or so that you may spend it upon your own pleasure. Again, lust, desire. And there's where the conflict is. There's where the spark, uh, uh, starts. And it just hits that desire, and that just desire grows. And we become consumed with it. And the mind just uh, kicks into gear and we begin to connive, we begin to manipulate, we begin to coerce people to do what we want them to do because that strong desire there. Another thing, the third thing you need to know about uh, this desire here is this is the place of temptation. Desires is where temptation... Um, uh, is the lure. It's where, where we are tempted. That, that longing, that discontent of the flesh. Uh, and sometimes note that it's, it's a legitimate need. It can be a legitimate need that, that turns into a sinful, uh, a sinful thing. We, we see that with Peter's situation. Christ goes to the, the three men, Peter being one of them, and he says, stay awake. Be watchful. What, what do they do? Well, they just give in to the flesh. Sleep is a good thing. Sleep is not wrong. I deserve to get my 8 to 12 hours a night. And that's wishful thinking, isn't it? And Peter could rationalize and, and whatever, uh, think to himself, uh, you know, well, Lord, you're asking us to stay up past our bedtime. Yeah, yeah. And Christ has to come back then, and they're asleep. And he says the, the flesh is, is weak. Flesh is weak. And James says this, James chapter 1 verse 14 and 15, he says, 
But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own what? Lust. He's enticed by his own desire, passion. Then, when lust is conceived, it brings, it gives birth to sin. And when it is accomplished, when sin is accomplished, it brings forth. Ultimately, sin leads to death. It's just the pattern. This is what it is. Temptation. The temptation is there because of the lust, the dissatisfaction of the heart, and that just, uh, that lust and it conceives and it gives, brings the baby of, of sin. That's the, that's the picture. Now, let's flesh this out a little bit. Satan goes to Christ. He tempts Christ. <clears throat> and he tempts Christ at this level. And you need to, you need to understand this. When you're dealing with temptation, you need to understand the way Christ was tempted. And Satan is calculating. Because Christ didn't have a sin nature. He wasn't, he didn't have that sin nature. He had a physical nature though. And, and so, where that physical nature could be most vulnerable is when Christ was needy. When Christ was hungry. So what does He do? He comes to Him. Uh, he knows He's hungry. He'd been out in the wilderness for 40 days, 40 nights. And He says, oh, just just turn this, these stones into bread. That's the hunger. And He's appealing to, to the natural. It, is it good to eat? Do I have a right to eat? Did Christ have a right to eat? Absolutely. It's food. He could do that. But, but he wasn't going to do so at the expense of his, just his own self-serving will. No. He says, uh, no, we are, we're to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know what? I can, I can let God feed me in, in his timing. It's a legitimate thing to be hungry. It's a legitimate thing to, to eat. But it turns into a, a temptation. It turns into, into a, a, a sin when we take our own, uh, do it in our own strength. Another one. He takes Christ to the temple. And he says, oh, just throw yourself off here. And, and God, he, He'll send His angels and He'll catch you. He'll protect you because you're destined for the cross. You know that. This is the sin of presumption. This is, this is the base root of this is fear. Is God really watching? Does God really know what's going on in my life? If I threw it off here, um, if I threw my uh, self off, w- would God do that? And it's that that idea, that temptation of I want to live by sight, not by faith. I, I want to see. I want to see God at action. And what did what did Christ say? He said, "You should not tempt the Lord your God. Don't don't even go there. No, you trust God." You trust God. Yeah, He'll take care of me, but I'm going to trust Him to do that. I'm going to exercise faith. I'm not going to live here in fear that He's He's not looking out after me. But that's one of those cravings. It's one of those desires, isn't it? Fear. But I tell you, it can just it can it can just swell up within us and consume us. Another thing, Christ was taken by Satan to the top of the mountain. Said uh, Satan looks uh, and sees all of the kingdoms of the world and says, "Hey, I'll give it all to you right now. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to do anything else. I'll give it to you right now. I'm the prince of the power of the air. It's all mine. I'll give it to you right now if you what bow down and worship." There's a he's he's trying to appeal 
to the fleshly nature. Immediate gratification. Uh, control. Power. Right now. It, it's right there for the, for the taking. Just take it. Just take it. So all of these are, are, are desires that, that are normal and can even be healthy, but they also can be very sinful. Hunger, fear, immediate, or, or just gratification. And he's a, in that situation, appealing to, to pride. Now, it, it is at this level, folks, that we have to deal with sin. And it's at this level that we have to begin to detach ourselves from, from the world, from our own sinfulness. We have to evaluate. We have to evaluate. Um, what sin is going on here? What's the craving in my heart? What, what do I want here? What's behind my motivation? What's driving me? What's driving this? What, what do I, what do I want? And folks, if you, unless you deal with sin on that level, deal with sin on a heart level, you're just going to be driven by your own, by your own flesh. And we have to stop and we have to step back and say, why am I, why am I arguing? Why am I so angry? Why am I driving so hard for this? And many times it's just our flesh. Many times it's just sin, our sinful flesh. Let me give you one more. There's a fourth element to this desire. This is the place of worship. This desire is the place of worship. This is where we value things. It's desire. We're putting this desire above everything else. I'm going to be driven for this. And that's that's just... That's a values clarification right there. What do you value most? Do you value God more than anything else? What's driving this? Is this, is this just a wish? Or has it now become lust? Has it become something I must have? And so you begin to drive. And you begin to connive and, and treat people in a way to manipulate them to get what you, what you want. Those wishes very easily, very easily can turn into lust, to sin, to, to worship. It's just a short distance between wish and sin. First John chapter two, verse 15 says, do not love the world or anything in the world. Don't, don't love it. Don't place your value on that. You love God more than, than the world. The love of the Father is not... If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You cannot worship God and worship this world. You cannot say, I, I place God at a high value, but then place the world at that same value. You can't. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the boastful pride of life, is, uh, is not from the Father, but is from the world... And the world is passing away and also it's lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Who does the will of God lives forever. It's, it's a doing. I'm going to place the, the God at the highest value in my life. He is going to be my passion. He is going to be my driving desire. He is going to be my pleasure. 
What's the greatest uh, uh, need for man? It's to serve God and to enjoy Him forever. To love God and to enjoy Him forever. And that's what we do. Love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it's at the that base desire level that we begin to worship. You see a baby just... Uh, in the, in the high chair, wanting its way, wanting out of the high chair, wanting out of the stroller, wanting out of the car seat, and they stiffen their, their bodies and they scream out and, and they demand attention. They want these things. That's, that's the flesh. That's the flesh. And folks, you can imagine, that's, that's every one of us. When push comes to shove, the deepest desire of our heart is to be the king of our own universe. We want our way. We want to rule everything, every molecule. We want to be God. And folks, it's just a worship. Ultimately, it's a worship of self. It's amazing how a good thing, a good thing can become an evil thing when we raise it to the level of I must have. And that's what's going on here. It just becomes an idol. And that's why Calvin says the, the heart is just an idol factory. You're just producing idol after idol after idol. Jumping from this one to that one to this one. Steve Lawson says in his wit about him, we just love him. It says an idol is something you love more than God, you fear more than God, you serve more than God. Never be idle about idols in your life. I like that. The reality is, is folks, nothing's going to feel that craving. Nothing's going to feel that, that desire that Paul's talking about. Nothing, nothing can do that. Theologians call it a God-shaped hole in the life of all of us. And what we do is we just go and, and take nature, take everything that we can and just stuff it in there. We just, we want to fill that God-shaped hole, but only God can fill that hole. Only God can do those things. And I like, and Calvin is completely right, that the heart is just an idol factory. We're just producing idol after idol after idol. And we can take good and wholesome things and make them and make them evil things. Place them above God. I desire. I desire comfort. I desire and I deserve then to be to be able to relax. I desire a clean home. I desire to be free from conflict. I desire to be served, to be listened to, to be understood, to be obeyed. We live in a world. We see the world. We want to fix the world. I desire to live in a world that's free from poor people. I don't want to see the poor people. It makes me convicted or whatever. And so it becomes a desire for some people to fix that problem. We don't deserve to live in a world like that. We deserve to live in a perfect world where there's no climate change, where we're the master of our own destiny. Folks, individually, we have a God-shaped hole. Nationally, humanly, we have that same, and we're all being driven. All being driven. 
Satan, he'll produce as many uh, things out there, allures out there to, to draw us in as he can produce as long as we're not focused on God. As long as we're trying to fill that desire with something else. So the, the source is the flesh, but that, that, that uh, spark point, that flash point is, is the, um, is the desire. When we come together, when those two come together, it's a desire. Now notice, go back to our passage. For the flesh sets its desires against the what? The spirit. That's the, that's the, the counter spark, or that's, that's where, uh, the, uh, that, that's the second source, we might say, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has an influence in our life in two ways. Influence in our life in two ways. And He's influencing us toward holiness. He takes up dwelling and dwelling us. He lives within us. First Corinthians chapter three, verse 16. Do not, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Holy, the Spirit of God dwells in you? That's every believer. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. He takes up residence. He becomes a, a seal for us to the day of redemption. He, he anoints uh, us. He teaches us. He produces fruit in our life. But one of the key verses here is Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. So the Holy Spirit is working in us to do God's pleasure and, and the flesh says, no, no, no. The flesh wants its own way. The, the Spirit dwells in us. The second way the, the Spirit influences us, the second way the spiritual inf- Spirit influences us is through His Word. This Word of, of God is from the Holy Spirit. And we need to understand that. The Word of God is from the Holy... He has laid out, He has laid out in our life, I'm sorry, He has laid out in the Word of God here what He's attempting to do in our life. So you have the Word of God here, and you have Him indwelling in us. He's working in us here. And, and He has laid out what He's doing in our life over here. It's His Word. He produced this word. If you look over at First Peter chapter one, for no prophecy has ever been made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. This is God's word here. Second, First uh, Corinthians. This is a, an important passage. First Corinthians chapter two, verse twelve. We need to understand the Holy Spirit's work in this word. First Corinthians chapter two, verse twelve. I'll start at verse 11. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of a man, which is from him? So even so, the thought of God no one knows except the spirit of God. It takes the spirit of God to communicate to us what God wants to communicate to us. Now, we have not received the spirit from the world but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. The Holy Spirit, He he has taken the things that God wants us to know, and He has given them to us, written them down for us here. Which things we speak. Paul is speaking these things. 
not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. You see the conflict there? So so you have the Holy Spirit. He's living in us. He's working His desires in us. He's working in us to produce holiness. And then He's giving us His Word so that we can read that Word and say, hey, the Holy Spirit's doing this in my life. Then I'm going to be doing this in my life. That's, That's the idea. But if you go back to our passage, the Galatians passage, the opposition is the flesh. For the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. They're enemies. They're they're enemies. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. We have a new nature living on us. But we also have the the flesh and its desires. And those two elements are competing. The flesh and the Holy Spirit and the new man. They're in opposition, it says. They're hostile toward one another. They set their desires against one another. And let me say this. They cannot coexist. They cannot coexist. It's like oil and water. You you cannot mix them. It's like light and darkness. You, You can't mix them. When light is there, darkness leaves. It's just just the way it is. And so this is a huge gap then. And this... When you help one, you hurt the other. When you kill off the one, you are giving life to the other. And that's the way it is. They cannot coexist. So what do we do with this? Skip down, Galatians chapter 5, skip down to verse 24. He says this, Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. You've crucified the... It's past tense. You've already done that. You you have a new nature here that has done that. Now, the flesh has not. This flesh still lives here. He says in verse 25, If indeed... I'm sorry. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So now, we know what the Spirit is doing in our life. Because we can read it in God's Word. He is producing these things in our life. We know what He is wanting to do in our life. And so He says to let us also walk by the Spirit. Now the word here, walk here, is the, is a, a drum cadence. And some translations, and I like the translations, He just says, keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. We had a, a through Shady, we had a, a parade the other day. Um, I know little Matthew Goodwin. He keeps the cadence for that whole parade. It's just a drum beat, you know. The, the Holy Spirit does that. He keeps the, the drum, beat. and we're to keep in lockstep. When you see that parade, you see those drummers. Uh, when you see the the parade marching, uh, the band marching, they're they're in lockstep. Same cadence. And that's what Paul is saying that we need to do. Keep that same cadence. You see what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life? Yep. And He is producing these things in your life. You keep that rhythm. You keep that same cadence in your life. Now, that's what we're to do. We're to walk according to the Spirit. Walk in 
the Spirit. And you cannot do both, either in the flesh or in the Spirit. Now the question is, and this is the key question, do you have the Holy Spirit living within you? That's the big question. But we've run out of time. So we're going to have to deal with that question next week. So that means I want you to come back, right? There's so much material, so much good stuff. But folks, if we're going to take seriously fighting against our own sin, fighting the things that are, that, that we stumble over, that fighting the things that, that, that just cause us to displease God, be frustrated with ourselves, but we're going to take those things seriously. We need to know this stuff. This stuff is important. If we're going to have any kind of victory over spiritual in the spiritual realm, we've got to know. And Paul lays it out. God's Word is not unclear on this issue. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Lord, we just thank You for Your work in our life. Thank You for being a faithful God. Lord, we thank You for the Holy Spirit living within us. For, for transforming our life, giving us a new nature. Lord, that, that would be beyond us. There's no way we could change our nature. And Lord, what hope we have now that, that the nature has been changed and it's just a matter of, uh, of putting off the, the, old, the old flesh, putting on the new. There's just learning new habits. New godly habits. Looking and reading in Your Word and, and seeing, here's the way we are to live. And, and Lord, may we be faithful to do that. Lord, it is our greatest desire to love and to serve You with all our heart. Lord, I pray for the capacity. I pray for the freedom of the Holy Spirit living in us to, to produce that, to do those things. So then that, that we live these things out in in the in front of the world, the watching world, that so that they can say there's something different there. Ultimately, so that you get the glory and the honor and the praise for our life, because it's you, you're the one that's working in our life to to do and to to will and to do of your good pleasure, Lord. L- Lord, we are so honored that you would even glance our way, but Lord to to cause your enemies to now sit at your table. It's, a, it's such an honor for us. And we thank you for that. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.